Welcome to the Waiting Warriors podcast. As loved ones of first responders and military personnel, we often face life situations and challenges that many others don't experience. And while each of us and our experiences are unique, together we can learn from one another and become stronger in this journey of life. Now let's step out of mediocrity. It's time to thrive. Hi, Waiting Warriors. Welcome to today's interview. Today's interview is pretty special. Maybe it's just because I'm pregnant and I'm feeling all the feels, but I have Brooklyn Eubank here with me, and she is a military spouse of a couple years. They've been active duty for three years and were National Guard before that, and he is in the military police, but her husband is deployed right now, and you guys can't see it, but I can see her right now. And she has the tiniest little squishy baby <laughs> that I've ever seen. And I kind of wish that just this interview was visual as well. just so <laughs> But they can go find you on Instagram yeah. and look at all the pictures because it's worth it, guys. If you want to get baby hungry. But I have a baby, so it's okay. <laughs> you just made me all that much more excited. Um so welcome to the show, Brooklyn. Hi, thank you. Okay, so why don't you guys introduce you guys, because it's both of you. He can chime in if he wants. Right. <laughs> why don't you introduce yourself, um, give a little background story. Obviously, you've got a little baby and a husband deployed, but kind of talk about yourself for a little bit. All right. Well, um, like Michelle said, uh, my name is Brooklyn Eubank, and I am a military police wife um and we have been doing this thing for a couple years now um i am actually a social studies teacher by practice and training um but i have decided to stay home with our little guy and so that's kind of where my heart is and um where i'm at right now so excited awesome. <laughs> how, how long did you teach before having the baby um i taught for two years before having him so I was in the middle of like my second ish year I had taken over for somebody else on a maternity leave before that so when you put it all up it's about two years <laughs> awesome and then you you're in photography and design right yes so I do photography uh in our area and then back home in Indiana and then I also recently started doing design uh, for moms and littles, and then also getting into some house design as well. So super excited. It's cute stuff. Fun. Um, so let's just talk for a little bit before we get into the whole deployed thing. Um, when in our back and forth in your emails, I just want to talk about one thing because I feel like it's so interesting the way you said it. Because um, we were talking about how you guys stay connected through all the crazy and you just kept on mentioning communication, communication, communication right. throughout it all. Um, and one thing you said was that you work really hard to keep communication open. And I kind of wanted to just ask you, what exactly do you mean by that? Because I feel like I know we've had times where we've been separated and it's just like, well, communication can't happen because of X, Y, Z. But then excuse me but then as you said like you work really hard to keep communication open it just made me think about maybe in those times like we were letting the excuses happen 
So just thought I'd maybe ask you, what what exactly do you mean by you guys work hard to keep communication open? Yeah, I definitely think that when, you know, somebody's deployed, it's really hard to be in that constant communication that we're so used to when they're home. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I know a lot of spouses can relate, but my husband's my best friend. And so when he's not here and we don't have that constant communication, um, that can be really difficult. So I think what I mean by working really hard to keep it open is when we do have those times to communicate with each other, making sure we're making the most of them and having those productive conversations that we usually have on a daily basis, um, but working really hard to make sure we're bringing up the things that are important and the things that matter um, in those times that we do have contact and communication with one another right now. Got it. Okay. I was just, I was interested at what you, what, what was all like behind that. Um, Another thing I want to point out just because I think it was a really great quote that you said, and by quote, I mean, I'm quoting you (laughs) just to share with the listeners said where you put your investment of time, your heart follows. And I really liked that because it's really easy to get all crazy and where and everything that's coming on going on at home. It's probably very, very easy for them to be confused (laughs) in what's going on over there, but just for both, you and your spouse or loved one, whatever your relationship is to just understand that you need to invest that time because that's where your heart is going to go. So I just, I really like that quote. So let's get down to the nitty gritty. You have a tiny little baby and your husband is deployed. He is. So you gave birth with him gone. Yes. Which isn't my worst nightmare. My worst nightmare is my husband not coming home. But I think number two, really close to number two, as far as deployments go, is having to deliver without him there. Because for us, it is such a, um, it's honestly a spiritual experience. Right. But it's, it's, a, it's an us experience. We've never been big into having other people in the room. Right. It's always just been him and I, him and me. My grandma would be disappointed that I can't remember which one's right. But but it's always just been us. And we welcome this little person that we created into the world. Right. But then on top of that, like, it's hard work and you want your partner there. <laughs> so, like, I'm just in awe in how you've approached this. So maybe can you tell us, like, the, what, what was the timeline? Like, did you get pregnant before he had orders to deploy? Yeah, so we had um, actually started trying in fall of last year, hoping for like a spring baby. Um, And God had other plans for us. So uh, things took a little bit longer than expected. Uh, Totally worth the wait, but Mm -hmm. a little bit longer than expected. And we had been told a deployment was possibly in the future. Uh, but they weren't a hundred percent sure at that point. And we we're like, well, we still feel the call to, you know, start our family. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, we found out that we were pregnant right about the same time that we found out for sure he was deploying. So it all kind of happened all at once. Um, so super exciting, but then also kind of terrifying realizing, wait a second, that's a nine month deployment. Pregnancies nine months, you're leaving the middle of that. Oh no, what's going to happen? So it was kind of just all the thoughts of what's happening right now and how do we start to handle this and prepare ourselves for what's about to come. So he left when I was about um, between 20 and 21 weeks. 
pregnant. And so I did the second half of pregnancy um, with him deployed. Got it. So had you found out that it was a boy yet? We did. We found out that he was a boy um, about a month and a half before my husband left. So we found out early. And so he knew and we were able to get the nursery together and that kind of stuff. So So you did, you got the whole nursery or like you kind of got the nursery? We did everything but the rocking chair before my husband (laughs) left. (laughs) So that got here after, like a week after he left. Uh, But everything else was ready to go. We wanted him to be as involved as possible before he leaves. So. That's a good idea. That's really sweet. Oh, sorry. So I just, I, like, I'm trying to even just process, but at the same time, I'm like, what do you do? So I guess that's the question. The next question, what do you do? He's leaving. You're in a very hormonal, vulnerable that's state. Sure. <laughs> um, you're 20 weeks pregnant. So you're starting, you're, were you feeling pretty good physically or were you still sick even? I had an amazing pregnancy and I like to say that because we had so much going on during it, God made sure that I had an (laughs) healthy pregnancy all the way through. Uh, So I didn't have morning sickness, thank goodness. uh, And I didn't have a lot of those struggles. I was just exhausted. So when you add on the physical exhaustion with kind of the mental, emotional exhaustion, that's where it became kind of taxing. Um, But I was feeling pretty good when he left as far as um, physically and like with my pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how do you, how did you kind of process and combat that physical and mental and emotional exhaustion? Um, Because that's a lot to handle. You are, I know, like I've had a, this pregnancy has been different, but a lot of my other pregnancies, it's just, I can eat fine, but I'm exhausted. Like I'm taking five naps a day and still going to bed at nine o'clock and sleeping a full 12 hours, but you're just so tired. But then there's this mental weight and emotional weight of your husband's left and he's gone. And I know that can compound on itself. Um, so what was your way of coping and kind of staying sane? Right. <laughs> well, I, I think it was just a combination of a lot of things. My biggest things that I fell back on, I was still working. So we were getting ready to go back to school when my husband left. Uh, so I was able to kind of pour into that a little bit and use some energy there. Um, be around people who understand because I did work in a military school district. So I was around people who understood what was going on. They were super supportive, which was wonderful. And then relying on friends and family, making sure that the people who wanted to be there to support us, I was giving them that opportunity because I think it's so easy to try to recluse yourself and Mm -hmm. feel so down and so negative. And it's so easy to want to prove that you can do it all and that you're a superwoman and that you've got this. And I have to show my husband that I can do this and I have to be strong for everybody else. And really just allowing yourself those times to talk to people and be like, hey, I'm not okay right now. And that's okay. But I need somebody here to support me. And allowing people to do that was a huge help for me. I know that my mom, my husband's mom, uh, they were a huge support in the beginning and making sure that I had someone to talk to, even if I was here by myself. Mm-hmm. So what, was there anything else other than just kind of calling people up on the phone and talking to them that was your way of allowing people to help or were there physical, like at, 
at your house from your friends that you kind of had to let yourself allow other people to help you with? After my husband was gone for a month, month and a half, I realized being, you know, six, seven months pregnant at that point, there was no way I was going to do the lawn work. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, wait a second. The, The lawn looks like a jungle right now. And I can't go out there and take care of what needs taken care of. And so it was little things that as I became more pregnant, I realized, oh, I can't quite do that like I used to. I'm going to have to let somebody in to help. Um, And luckily, uh, some people from his company and from his former company that he was in, uh, they came over and they took care of it. And they made sure that they were checking in and doing those things, which was awesome. Uh, And we also had some friends who would show up and be like, I'm helping you clean your house today. And you're not saying no. (laughs) And And me being so type A, and I'm very much a perfectionist and very much somebody who wants to do it myself and have it done the way that I want it done. Uh, letting people do those things for me was really difficult, but it was coming to that place of realizing how much that actually helped me both mentally and physically uh, with where I was at, both being pregnant and having my husband deployed. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, did you, was it always people like saying, Hey, I would like to help you with X, like with the lawn, please don't say no, I'm going to help, you know, I'm coming to clean your house. Or was it, was it more of, Hey, what do you need? And you have to say, right. I think it's definitely the, Hey, what do you need me to do? And me having that vulnerability to say, I really do need this right now. So that would help. Or even the, the one that I know, like, I know people say it and they mean it, but they say, let me know if you ever need anything. That is the hardest for me to like either in the moment or like a day or two later be like, well, I need help with the lawn or I need help. Like I'm at the point where I just cannot bend down. Like it's just happening. And luckily I've got three little girls who think it's hilarious how big mom's stomach is. (laughs) They can pick up a lot of stuff, but like cleaning down there, like cleaning at ground level just doesn't work anymore. I know I would sit on the floor. Uh, to anything that was below like where you have to bend I would sit on the floor and when my mom got out here uh, to stay with me for a little while she laughed because I took a bowl and I'm so used to my rigid schedule that Mm -hmm. I scrub the baseboards every other week because we have dogs so they get really dirty Mm -hmm. and (laughs) I scrub them every other week and I was literally 36 weeks pregnant, scrubbing my baseboard. And my mom's like, I don't think you should be doing that anymore. Let us help you. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm glad that you, you had that courage. And it's good to hear though, that most of it was more of like the, Hey, let me help you as right. opposed to people having um, like coming up with certain, like certain right. offers, like, spe- specified offers. Right. It was very much, Hey, what can we do right now to help you? Or, like with the yard, I finally had to break down and just contact someone and say, I need your help. <laughs> yeah, that's good, though. But that's good to hear, though. I don't know. I, I found that when my husband's gone and things that he would do when they're left undone because I can't do them on the times that I've been pregnant, it makes me feel worse. Yes. Because then I look at it because the lawn was one of them one time when I was pregnant and there was yard work that needed to be done. And I was like, I'm staring at a reminder that he's gone. 
Exactly. And I think that's something that people forget is for the spouses, especially and during deployment, it's already difficult because you're still in your everyday. You're still living life. That person's just not there who you're so used to seeing. And the reminders are everywhere. Yeah. Uh, that's the constant reminders of, oh, my husband's not home right now. Um, you know, it, it can be really difficult. And so, like you said, when there's something that I'm so used to him taking care of and it's not getting done, it's like, oh, he's really not here to do that. Like, he's not just going to come through the door tonight <laughs> and take care of the yard. Like he's, and I yeah. do it to take care of it myself. We had, um, had a really horrendous hailstorm uh, in August and I was driving his truck and the truck is just destroyed the windshield is crazy like this is softball size hail yeah I don't usually deal with our insurance right so I'm like oh my gosh what do I do I, it, that's not one of the things I usually take care of and so just figuring out those little things of oh he's not here to do that I need to step in and I have to do those things it's just that additional reminder on top of everything else. So that can be so difficult. So it was, so, I was so grateful. We had friends that were there to step in and help. Mm -hmm. Good. I'm glad you have good people around you. Um, okay. So let's move on. Delivery is coming. It's approaching. What did you like kind of have a plan maybe even before he left or did you, did you want other people there? Did you want your mom there? Or did you kind of just kind of approach it on your own? So I'm very much a planner. I make lists for everything. I have a plan for everything. And before he left, I had kind of like a semi-birth plan typed up of this is how ideally, if things are going to go our way, this is how they're going to work. Um, everything from who was going to contact Nathan so that we could get him away from work so he could Skype or FaceTime in. Uh, to who was going to be in the room with me, which I had decided at that point, I wanted my mom, uh, mm -hmm. my sister. And then if his mom was able to make it out here, I was going to have her in the room as well. And unfortunately they weren't able to make it out, but my mom and my sister were here and they were in the room with me, uh, as well as one of our friends, she took photos for us, um, so that they didn't have to worry about taking pictures. <laughs> and so that was all typed up. And then I think it was after I took a birth class at like 30 weeks pregnant, uh, I finished out the birth plan with, okay, this is the very specifics of what I want. And then when we had a chance to talk, I went over those specifics with Nathan so that he was in the loop. And when he was FaceTiming in, he could still be that support person. Uh, and so he knew exactly what I wanted. He knew what my plan was. So did my mom uh, so that they could better support me in that. And I think that that really helped still working through all those things that we would have worked through if he was here, because had he not been able to FaceTime in uh, for some part of labor or delivery for some reason, then we still would have gone through the process as normally as we could have and talking about things and being really open about them. So um, that was kind of what we did to prepare was we just talked through if this happens, this is what we want to do. If this happens, this is what we're going to do. And that way I knew his wishes as well. It wasn't just, Hey, this is what I'm doing. This is what I think is going on. Uh, he was really involved in a lot of those decisions too, which was great. Right. And I like too, that you went over your birth plan with him. Cause I mean, obviously he wasn't going to, physically stop the doctor from doing something, but even right. just 
even if he hadn't been able to be there, he at least could have just been aware, like, hey, this is how, because it was your first child. Like, so then if you have another one, hey, this is, he's a lot more familiar. Definitely. And I think it made me more comfortable going into labor and delivery, knowing that he knew what I wanted, because whether he's there or not, he's my biggest support. And so just having him as emotional support through things and knowing if he was here, this is what he would be doing was such a huge help. Right. I like that. So how did the whole labor and delivery play out? I know you had your ideal plan, but was he able I mean, like, was he able to kind of take time off and be there on FaceTime with you or on the phone or what all happened there? Yeah, we were super fortunate. So I had a really long labor. I know first babies, that's pretty typical, but I was in labor for 24 hours and I was in the hospital for almost all of it because my water broke before labor started. So so I woke up at like 1 a.m., on Saturday morning, it was November 10th. And (laughs) we started texting my husband and we said, this might be it. Uh, We're not sure. Uh, But I think my water broke. I really, my water broke. I'm not 100%. uh, There's a lot going on right now. (laughs) I'm not sure what's going on at this point. But we're thinking this might be the case. So my mom was with me, she woke up. And she kept him in the loop for a little while, you know, timing contractions, trying to see, because I didn't even have contractions until after my water broke. Then the contractions started about 15 minutes after I noticed, and they were coming every five minutes, lasting a minute. So they were already super strong. So it was like my water broke and everything just seemed to be moving right in the right direction. Everything is planned. And for me, that was perfect. Cause like I said, I'm a planner. So when things go according to my plan, it's amazing. And so she kept my husband in the loop. Uh, we left the house a few hours later. And at that point I hadn't talked to him really. Um, it was really just some texts that we had gotten out to make sure that he was able to get a hold of us when we needed him to. Mm-hmm. And after they confirmed that my water had broke at the hospital and they were going to keep me and admit me, uh, that's when I called him for the first time. And fortunately, since it was a Saturday, he wasn't working or on duty. And so he was able to just be in his room, have his Wi-Fi and um, FaceTime whenever we needed him. So that was really that was that was wonderful Rhett saying hello to everyone (laughs) and so then it was gosh I think 20 or so more hours in the hospital and every few hours we were facetiming uh, and he would just sit there for hours on end with his phone on plugged in to charge and (laughs) and would uh kind of just go back and forth. If I needed to get up and go for a walk, he would jump off the phone for a little bit. We'd get up and go for a walk. I'd come back and call him again. So he was be there and as involved as we had hoped. Uh, Our biggest concern was Wi-Fi because sometimes I know anybody who knows someone who's deployed, it doesn't always work depending on where they're at or just the day or (laughs) there's chances that it's not going to and the hospital's wi-fi would often go out so that was our biggest concern oh yeah hospital wi-fi stink yes the signal was horrible Uh, but we were so fortunate and so blessed because both ends were working that day and he was able to facetime in and call um, or i could call him whenever we wanted or needed to 
which was huge. <laughs> yeah. So was he, this may be like a little bit personal, but was he FaceTiming on the phone when the actual deliver delivery happened? So he was FaceTiming, um, which they can't like show anything, but he right. was FaceTiming and they were able to show him me so he could be there as a support as best he could. So he was talking to me as I was pushing and preparing for delivery, um, which I know he and I have talked about it. And as much as that's a really hard physical experience on a mom, uh, I know for him that was almost a debilitating emotional experience. And, you know, he said at one point he had to shut off the the volume on his phone, um, not so that he couldn't hear me, but so I couldn't hear him because he was just in a panic, right? He's like, there's nothing I can do. I'm so far away. And he was like, seeing you in pain like that, it was heartbreaking. And he was like, I'm not even there as a physical support. And so I know that that really took a toll on him. And I don't think that was something I was prepared for going into delivery during a deployment was I knew it takes an emotional toll on dad to watch mom in pain. Mm -hmm. But I didn't realize, I guess, how much that would be heightened by him not actually being there. Yeah. And he said that was really just a hard experience to know that even if he was there, he couldn't do anything, but not being there to hold my hand or hold my leg or get me ice and do those little things that he could have done. Um, I know that that was really hard for him, especially. Yeah, that yeah, that would because there definitely is the like, I'm a helpless dad. Right. A bunch of jokes and that's a topic of discussion all the time when a wife is pregnant, but that would be brutal where it's like you, he couldn't even comfort in any way, shape or form. That's hard. That's really hard. So baby gets delivered. Yes. You luckily you were able to have a pretty good deployment experience. I feel like, but now you've got this little kid. Yes. (laughs) your husband, your husband's still not there. So how did, how did you kind of process through all of that? Because I feel like it'd be very, very easy to just say, I mean, cry all the time. Yeah. And just say, he's not here. This isn't how it's supposed to be. This isn't how I want it to be. Right. Why, 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 why? Right. And you definitely have the days where you get into that place. I try to keep things super positive and be really upbeat. Uh, but there are days where you just can't quite fight off how how bad that feels. Um, but in preparing like to come home and process things as far as, okay, we're going to go home. And he's still not going to be there. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be home for a while. And he's still not going to be there. The hardest part for me was... Um, like I said, my mom came to stay. So I did have extra hands to help and, and do those things, you know, do laundry, do dishes, hold the baby at night if I just needed to sleep. Um, and that was such a huge help. But again, it's that reminder that that's the things that Nathan would be doing if he was here with me. And so mentally preparing for that, just going into it, saying there is nothing that we can do to change the situation. We have to make the best of it was probably the best thing I could have told myself. There's a reason that we're in the situation we're in and we're huge on faith. And so we're like, there's a reason that we're in the situation there and we may not like it, but this is where we are and we have to make the most of it. 
you know, the whole don't count the days, make the days count. It's, it sounds so corny, but it's so true because I'm sitting here with this little boy and I'm going, I want to soak up every minute of you being so teeny tiny because you're only going to be this way for so long. The hardest part for me was the guilt that came with that. So knowing that I get all these moments and I get to soak you up and enjoy you and love you and snuggle you and care for you and daddy gets to see you on FaceTime. That for me was the hardest thing. It wasn't necessarily the the care aspect because I did have a lot of support in that. It was mentally trying to process the fact that daddy won't get these moments back and I get to have them all. And how is that fair? So that was my big why. This isn't fair to him that I get to have this and this and this. Um, and then he'll never, you know, experience what it's like to have Rhett as a newborn or, you know, those things. And so that was really difficult. Uh, oh, yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. It's like, that's the worst, mom. Yeah, he, he agrees. So I think the way that we handled that was just that approach of this is all. This is all for a reason. This is all for a purpose. We knew this was possible. <laughs> Trying to accept that. We, we knew that this was a possibility. And then making the most of it. So Nathan tries his best to FaceTime us. Um, I would say like four or five times a week. He's in a position where he can do that. Um, he's in a place where he can do that. So anytime that he gets to call and talk, he does. Um, and that helps tremendously. But like I said, there's still those days where it can be really, really difficult. And those are the days when I have to remind myself, it's okay to reach out and tell people that you need help. It's okay to tell people that you're not okay and that you're not in a good place and that you need a minute and accept that help. That's so difficult to do, but it's so important because when I get into a negative headspace and I'm not being positive about it, I know that affects not just my husband now, but it affects my son. And yeah. so I have to try my hardest to, you know, let myself feel those things, but then find a way to move beyond those feelings and get out of my feelings because I do have a little boy to care for now. And, you know, he's counting on mom. <laughs> yeah. So trying to take that responsibility and say, yeah, it's okay to not be okay, but you have to work and process through it so you can be your best self for your son is so important. And I think that's why, you know, self-care and then advocating for yourself when you do need help is so important. Yeah. That's awesome. Cause I'm, I'm like getting teary up guys because <laughs> Austin is supposed to leave pretty soon after our next baby's born. And he, he is, he, that's going to be our struggle is he'll be able to be there for the delivery, but he's going to miss out on months zero to one until about right. five months old, which luckily for him, that's not his like golden time with the kids. Right. He's, he's <laughs> not a super big um, baby, baby snuggler, you know, like, like I hold a little baby and I get warm and fuzzy beyond belief. Um, but he's like, unless it's his kid, right. And it is his kid. It's like a, I like this, but I can't play with exactly how my husband is. (laughs) And it seems like a lot of guys are with that, but still it's the cute, like, Oh, they smiled and they're not there. So I, I like though that you, you have accepted that those heartbreaking moments are going to happen and you let them be heartbreaking, but then you build yourself back up again. That's really for me. 
and I would hope for other listeners as well. That's really comforting for me that you can let yourself feel that and still pick yourself back up. Cause sometimes I think sometimes I struggle with that. I, I'm the type of person that I want to just put the wall up and say, no, I'm not feeling that and be in denial all the time. But then I always get to a, a moment when I'm just really, really broken. Right. And I have to shut down for a few days, um, which is not the healthiest <laughs> way to cope. So I'm, I'm grateful for your example of just being this person who can, who can work through it. Right. And then still be smiling at the end of it. So I think that that's definitely, um, that's kind of just something that it's taken a whole lifetime to get there because I'm definitely somebody who has experienced, you know, things where I'm like, I don't want to feel this anymore and I'm done and I want to shut down and I don't want to do this. I'm a person who has struggled with anxiety. I'm a person who struggles, you know, with mild bouts of depression. And I'm a person who goes through these phases where I'm like, I can't deal right now. And part of my coping with those things has always been, you know, if I let myself feel it now, maybe it won't feel so terrible later. Mm -hmm. So that was just something that over the course of several years, I've had to just come to terms with. You're a highly emotional, highly sensitive person, and it's okay to feel those feelings, but don't get stuck there. Don't get stuck there because you know what happens when you get stuck there and you never feel any better. That's a good point. Um, so last question, because I know Rhett is probably getting a little fussy and upset that you're not paying that all attention <laughs> to him. Um, what is your key to thriving that you want to share with your fellow waiting warriors? So my key to thriving is making, making wise investments. So investing in people and in things that enrich your life. Mm-hmm. And one of those things where... I do my best to invest in people who are there for us, people who show that they care. Um, That way I'm more likely to keep those lines of communication open. That way I'm more likely to reach out when I do need help. Um, Making sure that I do the same for my husband, making sure that I am there and investing in our relationship, making sure I'm investing time into Rhett and making sure that it's not, yeah, I know. It's not always mommy just, care for me, but actually finding those moments to enjoy and invest in him. But then also turning around and investing in yourself, finding those hobbies, finding those things that are so important to you. For me, that's, that can look like going for a walk or baking or reading or writing. I love to write, um, editing a photography session, just doing something for myself that makes me feel good and helps fill me up so that I can invest and have that to pour into others. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the biggest key for me is just finding those ways to not only invest in other people, but also invest in yourself. I like it. I like it a lot. Well, thank you so much, Brooklyn. Again, guys, this is Brooklyn Eubank. You can find her on Instagram if you want to look at that cute, squishy face. You can look <laughs> her, or if you want to reach out to her and tell her what you loved about the episode, she is at MissBrookeUbank.com. Uh, I was going to say .com, but that's not the way it works. <laughs> and I'll also um, link to all that in the show notes. So thank you, Brooklyn. Thank you, Rhett, for sharing mommy. <laughs> thank you so much for having us. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. And to all your listeners, you guys have a great day. And find those people and things that you can invest your time in wisely with.
Have a great day, guys. Hey, everyone. I have a favor to ask. If you have enjoyed this podcast, can you leave a review and subscribe? I promise it just takes a second and that will help more people find this podcast. Also, I'd love for you to join us in our Facebook group. Just go to facebook.com slash the waiting warrior, click groups, and then the waiting warriors. Until next time, have an awesome day.